2: When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewinder around with John Pollick and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewinder around for Monday night, downloaded Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewinder up for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade, the mic hello everybody welcome to rewind to raw i'm john pollock along with waiting Hello, Wei. hey john how you doing i'm doing
0: well good good all re- all rested up from the trip
2: yeah pretty much i um i was fine to be quite honest it was um
0: how about you oh i'm not doing so hot i was oh, no. i was tired all day you know i just felt like i had to try to catch up all day so um but i'm good now you know usually when the when the red light's on i'm I, I can perk back up. You're a pro. I try to, yeah.
2: Yeah, I woke up this morning. Uh, I had to take my son to the doctor's office, so that was a uh, right back, in, right, right back into it. It's, uh,
0: it's disease season, is what it appears to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot's going around, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, like you know, um, I try to stay away, but you know, who knows? Is, my, is he okay? It's fine. It, it was just a little. Uh, it, He
2: had a bit of a a cough last week and then it turned into, it's not an ear infection. It's just, uh, you know, just had a pain in his ear. So anyway, gotta, gotta take care of all these things. I also got my flu shot today. This was just, it was an exciting day back in, in Toronto from Mm -hmm. the uh, the doctor's office to the flu shot. I stood there. I stood, I made an appointment to go get my flu shot at the, at the local uh, grocery store over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I go there thinking I can go get my shot. I'm out of there. I sign in. They're like, okay, your appointment is 2 two ten. Yep, I'm here five minutes early. Dude, 30 minutes. I just stand there waiting, waiting. And then finally, they give me my flu shot. And then they say, well, please stay in the store for 15 minutes. I like laughed. I was like, okay, sure. I walked right out. It's like,
0: I mean, it's really for your own benefit, you know, to, to be to quite honest, sure okay. dude, if I passed out by the produce section,
2: they wouldn't even know, okay? They it was like hopefully someone w- would notice down down the. I think it'd be too late. So anyway, I, I, I do like,
0: not recommend leaving right after your your shot. Okay, um, don't
2: don't but. don't do it. But I had to get going. Okay, I put in, I, I was not spending an hour in this grocery store to get what would have looked thirty seconds to get a get a flu shot. I recommend the flu shot. Everyone get it unless you don't. I don't know. Is there like
0: flu shots that people don't want? I don't know. I don't care. Anyway, how was your weekend? What'd you get up to? I was down in Newark for AEW Full Gear. Oh, you don't say. Yes, I believe I was on the same flight as you. Um, I was there for, of course, AEW Full Gear and also Post Wrestling's five-year anniversary show. QXT's Nightclub. Which I feel 248 like. Two I... forty
2: eight <laughs> Mulberry Street, just minutes away from
0: the Prudential Center, the site of Full yeah. Gear. I think that was the last time I'll ever say QXT's Nightclub. That was that was the last I time. I will okay, never in it.
2: my life forget that address,
0: okay? Oh, on my goodness. on
2: my deathbed, okay, as I'm in the produce <laughs> section, I will remember where QXT's nightclub
0: <laughs> is located. Mm. It was a great time. I, I had an awesome, awesome time. Um really, I think. Could be a once in a lifetime opportunity to gather so many people that we have met and and have worked with you know through pros wrestling um all in the same spot you know from all over the world
2: yeah it was um that that was super cool on the Friday where we uh we had a seamless flight to Newark and then getting out of that airport um Course. What a disaster! What a disaster! And really, not a uh, reflection of the airport as it was our uh, shuttle system to try and get out of there. That was just—it was like we were making f- solid time. We were maybe going to have a little buffer before we had to get into into New York, uh, and yeah. that was quickly evaporated. But I mean, small small delay in the grand scheme of things.
0: I would not recommend booking your flight for a Friday afternoon and trying to get from Newark to Manhattan during rush hour traffic on a friday um probably you know bad call on on our part but
2: though your strategy of us ordering from our hour-long uber and then arriving at the restaurant within minutes our meal arrived i mean it couldn't have been timed out more perfectly
0: that did work out uh, better in our favor but um yeah we uh, met everybody on a friday um in times square at pasta lovers shout out pasta lovers Times square posta lovers Pasta lovers that's right yeah um and it was a great time we we saw a lot of people um, met Andrew Thompson for the first time we met Andrew then for- we met for the first time
2: yeah i was uh yeah it's it's so weird you feel like you've met these people but technically had not met Stephanie Chase for the first time uh met WH Park for the first time i mean it was just a great time
0: yeah shout out to pasta lovers all of us will always have pasta um in our in our history i'm trying to get the photo up on screen here but uh there you go there you go everybody the professor. Look at this.
2: The professor arrived. Uh, there's, that's uh, right. Jordan Goodman, uh, Davy Portman, who was, uh, who was battling uh, Earth that day and uh, was a was a true champion all weekend. Really, everybody was. Uh, yeah, scrump there. Uh, that, that's Braden, who it looks like his eyes are closed. Very apropos. Mike Murray in the back. Uh, John
0: Ceno, Stephanie Chase was there. Of course, Queen of and C-block. Vivian,
2: the uh, you know the purveyors of the of the C block. I don't know if it's a shared queendom, but uh, at <laughs> least one of them uh, lays claim permanently. Mike Murray, uh, yeah. So it was it was great. It was just such a fun weekend. Like I don't uh, I don't have. Uh, too much more to describe beyond i just i just had such a fantastic weekend seeing uh, so many people and uh being down there just uh, get, getting back to uh covering an event in person was a lot of uh very enjoyable for for me as well and as much as i was looking at saturday as being like a uh I figured like this is going to be a really taxing day. By the end of it, I I really didn't feel it. By the end, like I was I was in pretty good shape by the time we finished that post show on Saturday night. And I thought I was uh, I thought that would be just <laughs> I thought our show would be terrible Saturday night. I actually listened back. I was like I, I thought we uh we had a lot of energy for starting at roughly two a.m. on Sunday morning. Technically, as uh yeah. I guess I guess you and I have been been preparing for uh working on little sleep I think we we've prepared in in different ways um
0: yeah like you know even if given the opportunity to sleep and I don't know if I'm able to anymore you know I just kind of bought I him, could. Him, I, 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 know,
2: I woke could up look. at eight on my own the next morning I got like four hours of sleep and I was good yeah yeah, wa- yeah. I wandered it's, around it's, yeah. it's
0: fine I mean we're probably gonna chip away a few years from the uh, end of our lives but um you know for now it's worth it
2: so th- thanks to everyone that showed up at the uh, at the anniversary show on Saturday. We got to meet uh, so many uh, of you as well. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, yeah, it was good. just uh, a great turnout, uh, fun vibe. We got some great questions. And, uh, of course, the real digital team that uh, that spearheaded this whole idea and just uh, presented it to us and, Wayne and I was like, all right, we're down. Sounds great.
0: Yeah. Now yeah. shout out to Real Digital and uh, uh Robert Pearson of course uh for stellar incredible production and uh the recording. Uh we're going to release at some point on the Patreon. So just uh look out for that. Won't be this week. We're probably going to have to, you know, get it back and do some uh put, put some final touches on it at least, but um yeah, you you guys will know all about it.
2: So that will be coming up for uh, cafe members so you can uh look forward to that in the uh in the coming weeks or so uh, as mm-hmm. well. Um, also this week, we're going to have the return of Rewind Away on Tuesday night. We're going back to December 11th, 2002, NWA TNA at the Asylum. And that is what I watched today. What a uh, what a show this is that we are going to be reviewing. Headlined by Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Hennig for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. of very, very young AJ Styles against an even younger Amazing Red we are also going to talk about the first, and to my knowledge, only chair and chain match between R Truth, Ron Killings, and B G James. <laughs> Probably you will find out why it was not <laughs> a gimmick that was ever repeated. Sorry, what, again. what was that again? A chair and chain match way because somebody. Chair and chain. You know when you have a chain match and you chain your your opponent to each of their wrists, they're tied together with a chain. You've seen matches like that. <laughs> w- that's what that's if you awful. fed a chair onto the chain? So in the middle of the
0: chain, there was a chair dangling in the middle. Wouldn't that be so much cooler than a chain match? I'm, I'm surprised. Um, they went with TLC and didn't just change it to chairs and chains. You
1: know, oh my for
0: pay-per-view. I mean, yeah. it would have just been a different outcome
2: for uh, edge Christian, the Hardys and the Dudleys, if that was their claim to fame. So we are going to go through all of this. Um, a very controversial promo from Roddy Piper the week before that we get Jeff Jarrett's reaction to. And this is, it's, it's the asylum days. Okay. Wednesday night pay-per-views. There is a chance I might've bought this pay-per-view 20 years ago. I don't know, but, uh, look forward to a way. We'll be uh, taking in all the goodness of Mortimer Plumtree in the next 24 hours. So that's what you have to look forward to way.
0: That, that is probably my viewing after we're done all this, this show here. So great.
2: And then, uh, later on this week, uh, Wednesday night, it's going to be Wei Ting and Bruce Lord on Rewind to Dynamite. Uh, I have a prior commitment. Uh, I, I am on dad duty all Wednesday night and I do not think I will be able to start Dynamite, uh, and, and, and do the show. So, uh, in my place will be a more than, a capable uh stand-in in in, uh bruce lord so i look forward to hearing uh bruce and way on wednesday night but then back on friday with way we will chat uh smackdown and rampage going into the weekend and then we're live saturday night with a survivor series post show remember saturday night if john moxley is listening it's on saturday night this weekend from boston we will be live minutes after the the ple uh youtube.com post wrestling subscribe to the channel leave us a thumbs up and uh that is all that is coming up this week among the many regular shows we have. Up next, we'll be live on Tuesday night chatting about their big announcement from Saturday's show and I'm sure discussing their trip as they were there a lot longer than us. They were there almost the entire week and now they are still not home. So more more to come from them on Tuesday night.
0: They went to New York and you know what? I think they might have lost their name. Um I don't, I don't think it's Meechin either. So uh, if you want to find out what's co- coming up in the very near future for our friends at Up Next, listen this Tuesday. I'm sure it'll be an important episode.
2: Well, and if you find out where they're broadcasting from, in what particular building, it is Meechan.
0: <laughs> so Meechin, yeah. Uh,
2: so all of the shows can be found. PostWrestling.com, the schedule is up there. And all of the, uh, the great news items, a uh, big thank you to Neil Flanagan for uh, holding
0: down the fort over the weekend. Thank Andrew- you, Neil, for... Um, you know, Neil. I feel really bad for because he was supposed to be with us in Newark, and for whatever logistical reason, Andrew over Thompson here... called the consulate and <laughs> yeah, barred him. Um, but no, uh, border issues that that are all the more complicated these days. I'm sure, um, unfortunately, got the best of, of Neil, so he was unable to make it. I believe he made it to the airport before he had to find out. Oh, um, but you know, what what are you going to do if you can't, you know, um, take a vacation? you decide you do some work at post and he and uh, uh uh did a great job um over the weekend
2: yeah a big thank you to neil and uh, eric marcotte who covered the pay-per-view on the site on saturday night and uh, andrew thompson who has been busy all day long and was in new jersey as well over the weekend so a big thank you to all of the post team uh that made it out over the weekend and uh we're we're holding things down on the site as well the uh, the worldwide network of post-wrestling at work. So let's get into a bunch of news items uh, to go over from the last couple of days. Uh, Off the top, I just want to mention uh, two passings. Uh, The first one, uh, Bob Mulrennan, who was a very well-known photographer for just pretty much, All of these promotions going back decades. Uh, There's a really nice story on him on the uh, slam wrestling site. If you'd like to read more, he was very tied in with many different groups uh, in particular impact wrestling, who had uh, made a post about his uh, passing over the weekend, Worked with a uh, Paul Heyman. I mean, lots of people. Um, he had a lot of contacts in the industry. Very popular individual. Someone that I did not know, but you know, so, um, you know, a, a regular at so many different fan conventions. Uh, just uh, an unfortunate loss. He got sick earlier this year. Uh, had kept it very quiet, and unfortunately, uh, passing away as a result of that. So, lots of condolences that were made over the weekend. And the other one is one that got a lot of widespread attention but certainly had his connections um in MMA and that was uh, Jason David Frank who people would know uh from Power Rangers and he here was a guy um sadly took his life over the weekend was only 49 years old but you know he, this was a guy that 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 practiced uh martial arts throughout most of his life and then got involved in MMA and launched what was like A fairly notable clothing line during like the height of, I would say, MMA fashion with this clothing line called Jesus Doesn't Tap, which I always thought was, like, really clever. I'm sure it upset some people out there, but as someone that was raised Catholic, I thought it was, like, a great tagline to grab attention for oneself. Obviously, that is not what he is uh, primarily known for, um, but someone... Uh, other times, uh, he did some film work with uh, John Hennigan uh, I, I was reading about as well, but, of course, many people remember him as Tommy Oliver, the... Green Ranger, who later became the White Ranger, uh, a very epic, multi-episodic series uh, that led to the creation of the White Ranger. And if there was a story arc that pulled me into Power Rangers, that was Itway through my cousins.
0: Oh, it really was. They got a
2: box set of the VHSs with all the episodes that led to the creation of the White Ranger. And I was just fascinated by this storyline on Power Rangers because I wasn't really big into that series until I saw that particular
0: uh, storyline mm. i i mean i was all about it you know i i and i'm, I'm almost um, a little bit surprised at how much press you know his passing has, has received um and i think it, a lot of it is because um so many people of our generation uh remember that series so so fondly um you know, the dragon Dragonzord uh, flute tune, it, like, is, 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 we can all, you know, uh, hum it if, if, if we were asked to. Um, but, uh, yeah, has, has had a lot of connections to MMA, of course. Um, I think, uh, one, he time had several
2: was, fights as well. Like, he was, I looked this up, he was 4 0 as an amateur, and then he won a pro fight in 2010. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was like tongue in cheek, but like, people were like throwing out his name when CM Punk was getting involved. It's like, it was yeah. like he would, have the credentials like if you were going to go that route but n- nonetheless it was like this was a guy that like he was very involved in in like martial arts and mixed martial arts for a very long time and a lot of uh mma personalities commenting uh on his passing and who he had been involved with mm. so anyway uh rest in peace um you know he had four children it's a, it's a really tragic uh story involving uh, jason david frank over the weekend, uh, in addition to Full Gear, there was also a New Japan and Stardom's histo- historic crossover event uh, that took place in Tokyo at the Araki uh, Arena with an announced attendance of 7,102, which uh, for either group is a very good number in 2022 post-pandemic pro wrestling in the country. Um, did you get to see any of the show, Wei?
0: I did. I saw uh, the Tom Lawler-Shuri uh, match uh, the where they're teaming against um, Julia and Zack Sabre Jr. and also the main event.
2: Yeah, I, I saw like the last six matches and we won't do like an extensive run through here, but just some of the highlights. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Julia taking on Shuri and Tom Lawler. Of course, Shuri and Tom Lawler having the uh, both competing in the UFC and of course Zack Sabre Jr. and, and Julia uh, from the from the UK uh, with their, their lineage as well. And this was one where um, this was a match that Tom Lawler was very much looking forward to. And I thought uh, just the combinations in this were so fun to watch. And the Zach and Lawler exchanges were just top level here. And it ended with, um, a European clutch that was countered to a rear naked choke and then Zach flipping over, reversing Waller back to the European clutch and catching him in 10 minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, but these two together were, I thought terrific.
0: I thought so too. Absolutely. I mean, it really became a great preview for a uh, Julia versus uh, Shuri that's coming up at a uh, Dream Queen, Queendom, I believe. Yes. Um, and then, um, I thought like, Overall, the match itself and the show itself for me was a wonderful sort of like introduction to some of the bigger names in Stardom, uh, and and some of the current star- storylines in Stardom. Um, but I also I was also incredibly impressed at how like how much Tom Lawler's charisma shone through in this sort of setting. Uh, he you know his enthusiasm i think was completely infectious you could tell that this he was had the a god's
2: eye deal. logo on his on his jean trunks
0: mhm mhm yeah i thought he 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 did absolutely great and and clearly it was a, a real thrill for him uh even the post match promos especially like in some of these cases where you know um i don't know how much like um not in this case because I know Sherry probably speaks at least a little bit of English, but um, th- there there are some of them where like I don't even know if like they really understand what the other par- person says. But every everything sounds so natural, and I really like their post match promo as well.
2: Uh, then you had uh, Natsupoy Tam Nakano, Taichi, and Yoshinobu Kanabaru defeating Adoki, El Desperado, Momo Watanabe, and Starlight Kid. Um, th- this got very heated. Um, Desperado and Natsupo, they, they had like this ongoing story in the, uh, the mixed matches of that the rules had been set that it was only the males would take on the males, the females would take on the females. And in almost every match, it was almost like this statement that they would do, like, intergender spots and being like the women feel like they are being, uh, like protected here or something. And they went out of their way to have like, um, spots between the men and the women in, in, several of the matches. Um, but, uh, Tam went for the incredible dream, couldn't hold on to it because she had been selling the arm. And then Momo Tanabe got the bat, uh, but ends up taking the mist from Natsupoi. Taichi takes the pants off. There's a uh, super kicks by Taichi and Nakano. And then the black Mephisto by Taichi pins Doki in 12 minutes. But this was a really fun match for the time that they had. And the crowd was into it uh, quite a bit. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and uh, Utami Hayishta against Hiroki Goto and Mika. They went nine and a half minutes. Uh, Utami ended up pinning Micah after hitting the hijack bomb. I would say this one was a little bit below what I kind of anticipated when you looked at the people involved in this. Like it was fine, but I, I wouldn't say it was one of the standout matches of the the six that I saw. I mean, serviceable, but not in um uh, not at the end of the show that I think you were looking at this as one that uh over delivered. Uh, then we had, uh, Kazuchika Okada, Toriyano and great Muda in, uh, Muda, as they were promoting this, his last match in a new Japan ring, as this would be, uh, classified as against Aaron Hanare, Jeff Cobb and great Okan. And, uh, we did get the, uh, uh Ocon missing with the mist as he hit Cobb with the mist. So then Muda hit great Okan, but not with the green mist with the red mist, and they noted how bad this is. The red mist from Muda. So, maybe Great Okan is going to have some kind of uh, blindness coming out of this, or some kind of change to his character after hitting this. So, that led to the closing sequence of Okada drop-kicking Hanare, Muda with the Shining Wizard, and then Okada hits the Rainmaker to pin Hanare. So, not giving Muda the pin. He got to do his mist and his Shining Wizard, and that's where New Japan put their foot down. That's that's what you get, Muda. So, um, on his farewell tour, um, this is uh, one of his... Uh, this is a countdown, way. We have uh, several more final farewell matches to go uh, before February. Sure, look, but look at this! Look at this three man unit. I mean, are these guys coming for the trios belts or what? In 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 AEW,
0: you know, um, Death Triangle,
2: watch out. Then we had Will Osprey against uh, Shota Umino for the IWGP United States Championship, and um, I actually saw this because you had uh, retweeted it. Way, did you want to explain uh, Osprey's outfit for? This this
0: match, yeah, he came out dressed as Hayabusa mm-hmm. and um, actually had. Uh,
2: I think everyone lunch. just thought it was just oh, he's just doing a tribute for Hayabusa, and there was like quite the story behind it.
0: Yeah, he uh, actually you know mentioned that he act, um, uh, asked um, Hayabusa's daughter for her blessing and took her out to lunch, um, and I believe um, is they're helping auction the uh, outfit for mm-hmm. charity or 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 for for some some sort of cause um so yeah a, a wonderful story of from a very influential wrestler uh for any sort of high flyer and you can obviously see it you know in so many people's wrestling style um Seth Rollins of course you know a guy who takes many of his moves and Will Ospreay you 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 would assume uh i guess you would assume that like every high flyer is, is influenced but i guess like Ospreay in particular i i don't know if i've ever heard him speak about Hayabusa um that much but clearly a man who had huge uh, impact on his style
2: and you would probably assume he voted for a high boost in the hall of fame this year.
0: If he has a vote, do wrestlers get votes? Yeah. I guess yeah, every, absolutely. every reader does active
2: I mean. wrestler. No, not readers. It's it, the ballots are sent out selectively. Oh, okay. But, uh, active wrestlers do. So, uh, if he does get a ballot, um, I would think he would be on, uh, on Osprey's, uh, well, it would depend on the numbers. I mean, it is a higher if amount you vote for yourself. You can vote for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing Mm -hmm. stopping you from voting for yourself. I mean, that's how a regular election works. True, right. You can can vote for yourself. So there was an interesting dynamic here because this is Shota Umino challenging for the U.S. title. This is a rematch from Royal Quest and Red Shoes Umino is the referee red Chizuno? he's like his father is hey, the referee a, here
0: now there's a conflict of interest right there.
2: well that's what they were bringing up here and it was like it really didn't play that much into parts of the match but it was it was kind of like an odd decision when you're not doing like some big but i mean the announcers were trying to explain that you know he's being a bit more emotional here because it's his son and you know will osprey is being very brutal in, in the match so i mean it was kind of an interesting uh, I, I addition um but but this this would never fly in a in a real sport I don't think. Like this this couldn't happen in MMA, could it?
0: I um I I would suggest like the, you know the opponent would would probably raise a a bit of a I don't know issue with it, but I mean for wrestling it's great storytelling.
2: So you had um playing off of Royal Quest, you had Osprey delivering the strikes to the back of the head, but Umino uh, Survived. He ducked a hidden blade and landed a big pump up, uh, pump up knee strike. Osprey then countered a Death Rider Stormbreaker is blocked, and we're just getting into all of the the. Intense finishing, uh, sequences here. Elevated Death Rider and then the follow up gets blocked and Osprey hits the hidden blade to the front and then one from behind for the stormbreaker. And then I look down at my time. I was like, this, this can't be right. There's no way, no way this match was this long, but it was in fact 22 minutes and 55 seconds. I'm not kidding. I thought it was like 12 minutes or something. It felt. Like, I couldn't believe that much time elapsed, uh, that, that I watched this, but, um, it was a really, really enjoyable match. I, I wouldn't say it was like Osprey's like upper echelon of matches this year, but that, still is a lot of praise for the match. I would say this was probably Umino's best uh, single showing overall and a tough position because I don't think anyone bought Umino uh, winning this, but Ospreay, um continues to elevate this U.S. title, and I think we are now gearing up for what is going to be the biggest match for that title because as the as the United Empire is hoisting Will up in the air and Gideon Gray is proclaiming him the best, the lights go out. And then on the screen is Kenny Omega, who just cut the best promo in Japanese. I don't want to hear heel Kenny Omega ever speak English after this promo. This was the best. I watched this thing on Sunday morning, and I must have watched it like three more times during the day of Kenny Omega stating that. Will Ospreay was supposed to be his successor because once AEW formed, Kenny Omega didn't need New Japan. And what has Will done? The crowds have gone down. There's no cheering. What's the line you're using, Will? It's because of the pandemic. Well, Will, the only virus here is you. Then takes a shot at him and his auto-translate pals, the United Empire, and he took the call from New Japan. And he didn't want to do it, but he couldn't give up this opportunity to come back for one night. And that is our match for the Tokyo Dome on January 4th. And I think that Chris Charlton summed it up best that this feels like the main event for January 4th. I think this is going to overshadow Jay White and Kazuchika Okada. And I think this makes Wrestle Kingdom
0: feel like a big deal now. It makes it feel like Wrestle Kingdom again. You know, it, 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 for me, you know, much of my mm, disconnect with New Japan has been sort of like the mm, stale roster, um, and and it's sort of this sort of like special attraction outside, uh, you know, um, uh, participation that I feel like the promotion's really been lacking, especially for Wrestle Kingdom. And you know, Japan has probably been the toughest place in the world to try to book a show like a Wrestle Kingdom um, to its standard. But uh, clearly things are kind of lifted, right, lifting right now. And, you know, as soon as they announced that best of seven with the Elite and, and Death Triangle, we saw that missing spot for January 4th where there won't be one of those matches. And I think we already began speculation about, in particular, Kenny Omega's participation. We got the announcement pretty much, you know, less than 24 hours later. Um, it's a huge match. It's a match that... Might reinvigorate a lot of interest in New Japan Pro Wrestling if the rest of the card is strong. Um, They made comparisons to Alpha versus Omega. I certainly feel like this has the potential of being that sort of big crossover match that might drag a lot of laps New Japan fans back in. This is a very
2: important match for New Japan to push for travelers, for New Japan World, and just domestically to sell tickets at the Tokyo Dome. Like I feel if Wrestle Kingdom is a big success this year, this is the match that deserves rightfully so the credit it does feel like the the main event now and um you know be, between those two matches like it does feel like a big show as, as you mentioned once again so it's uh, great that
0: they could pull it off yeah it, you know we're, we're, at this point we're kind of talking about the addition of new names of mainstream names and kenny's not the only one that was added to the show
2: that's right uh we we will get to that uh the main event was uh was Kyrie and uh mayui watani to determine the IWGP women's champion, the first and uh, the first champion as the uh, the tournament winds down. And uh, Kyrie ended up working this match with like a pretty severe sprained ankle that she posted a photo of afterwards. And I saw that photo first and then watched this match. And it was like, God damn, you could not tell. And what she was doing, um, it was like she's doing missile drop kicks and stuff. And when you see this ankle, like, <laughs> this looked insane that she worked through this match with with this kind of an injury. She also wrestled to a 30-minute draw the night prior. This is insane. It was it was absolutely insane. They get they went 25 and a half minutes here and uh, j- just some of the highlights here, uh you had Mayu with a, with a top rope hurricane Rana and then goes back up landing a, a splash. Uh Kyrie hit the high cross to the floor on the sprained ankle and then we have um, a a series of spinning back fists as Mayu just staggers on her feet and won't go down. Mayu finally then um, lands her shot and hits a tombstone and a dragon suplex just dumping her on her head. Kairi hits an elbow off the the second turnbuckle, hits the insane elbow for a two count and then a crucifix bomb by Mayu dragon suplex for a two count and finally it is Kairi with the big comeback and a final insane elbow in 25 32 take the championship and we'll face uh tam nakano on january 4th on on the show proper which will be the first time we've got a women's match on the
0: actual show of wrestle kingdom mm-hmm. yeah um you know i think Kyrie really is probably your perfect choice you know for one of these like essentially this iwgp women's championship it, it kind of tells me that like she's sort of a the transition uh unofficially between you know uh stardom and, and new japan pro wrestling um it's a championship that's i would assume would be defended um on the in, in some of those uh, new japan u.s shows um mm-hmm. and, and and has a role on on a show like a wrestle kingdom she is by far the biggest name in that company right now and even within a new japan roster i would probably consider Kyrie to be one of the bigger crossover names so i think her addition to wrestle kingdom um to me adds a lot of excitement for Wrestle kingdom it's a huge match for tam nakano probably i mean by far obviously the biggest stage that she'll she'll be able to wrestle on uh from the little promo i thought she cut uh, in the ring i i mean i i the the confidence was full on so i'm very excited to see her how she does on such a big stage
2: yeah and as we mentioned it's it's uh, shuri and julia december 29th that's the sumo hall dream uh stardom's a uh, dream queendom show that will also have Kyrie against utami on on that show as well mm-hmm. so some, some very big shows in a uh a- Small amount of time because uh, sandwiched in between that show and January fourth is the Muda Nakamura match on January first. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on various Japanese products over, I would say that month because you extend it to Sting and Muda teaming up. Like there's there's quite a lot going on in Japan over the next couple of months. So um, I I haven't seen the entire show, but what I saw it was a very enjoyable show. They drew a very good crowd, and I would think that it's a concept that they will continue. It's you know you've created this title and i think there's other combinations to be had but i really enjoyed the zach and tom lawler stuff there's a lot more that those two can draw from
0: the pairings are, are just fun and and i to me like it's it, it's kind of surprising that it's taken this long for bushi road to be able to do something like this i don't know what sort of red tape uh, prevented them from from doing this earlier but it's a long time coming and honestly like it's it's probably the most excited I've been for a new Japan pro wrestling thing in quite some time. So I would say more than stardom needing, well, stardom certainly needs new Japan and their exposure, but I think new Japan needs stardom too.
2: Next story up is an interesting one to say the least. This was first reported by Mark Ramundi that Kane Velasquez, who we have been documenting throughout the year, he is, he is out on bail and he is making a request that while out on bail, he can wrestle for triple a on December t- Third on their show in uh tempe arizona um which is where he wrestled at in in university for arizona state um this is the show that triple a is running and um at last check from wrestle not a show that has been selling well like under 500 tickets are out for this show but uh kane kane wants to wrestle and uh a ruling is going to be made of whether he can do this or not on tuesday so we will know if triple a can use kane velasquez which is um a, an
0: odd addition to this show. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. To have, to have a special attraction be somebody who's currently out on bail for attempted murder. Sh- attempted murder is definitely, definitely a choice. Um, it's going to raise sort of that issue of like you know where you stand on the uh, on 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 where kane Velasquez's actions um are um of course we all know the story by now it's a very emotional one that a lot of people are going to there's a lot you know. of sympathy
2: for kane Velasquez in this si- yeah. si- situation it's yeah. um you know i i would say overwhelming i would say like the public support at the same time like there is you know this is a you know, it's one that is going to draw a lot of attention to this, and I don't
0: think Triple A is going to mind that. Yeah, just the idea of like you know somebody that's like just out of jail and in possibly between jail stints, um, being able to entertain and perform and possibly be celebrated in the ring. I just uh, I don't I don't feel comfortable you know with that. Um, but I mean, shit, it's. I guess they're quite desperate for for a big name act and and maybe you know for if from Kane's perspective um legally if he's able to be granted this then why wouldn't he ask I guess
2: Yeah I guess it's just um it's just an odd thing that you would like with all that's going on in in his personal life that this would even be Something crossing your mind, but obviously it is enough that he is going through
0: the you gotta protocol. Make, to, you got to make money, especially like with what he's facing. Yeah. Right? So
2: anyway, we'll we'll know on Tuesday. It's either going to be a yes or a no. I, I don't know how um, uh, they, they will grant or or not grant the, this request and what is going to go into this thinking for them. But um, that's a story I did not expect to see today. But that that is what is going on. Uh, a few other uh, quick things here. So WWE has apparently made a verbal commitment uh, to a group in in Nashville that is leading the the cause for a new enclosed stadium to be built. Um, This is in Nashville, Tennessee, and it would be the home of the Tennessee Titans. And WWE has apparently given a a verbal agreement that if this stadium gets built, uh, they will bring WrestleMania to the stadium in 2027, which would be WrestleMania 43. Ready for WrestleMania
0: 43, way? I, am I ready to be 43 myself? Jesus. Yeah. No, not at all, but okay.
2: So um, this was reported by the Tennessean newspaper, and WWE did give a statement, noting, Nashville has exploded as a cultural center in the United States and as the land of opportunity. WWE looks forward to hosting many events in partnership with the great city of Nashville at the proposed enclosed stadium. So that is um, if the stadium gets built, um, you know, Nashville, they had a very successful event there over the summer at Nissan Stadium for SummerSlam. And uh, we do know at least the next two sites of WrestleMania through 2024, uh, 25 and 26. There are not any uh, cities that have been uh, linked yet to those events. So this is how far out they are forecasting uh, a potential WrestleMania in Nashville.
0: Well, listen, the fact that it's um, it's being proposed in, in this particular city tells me that I think we've got Jeff Jarrett's uh, next uh, major appearance lined up already, you know, five five years down the road. Um, is he already in the Hall of Fame?
2: Yes, he is. But oh, he could go okay.
0: in again. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, he'll go in with the Bullet Club. Uh, <laughs> he'll go in with the Bullet Club. Maybe he'll go in as part of this faction with Jay Lethal and Sutton. I'm saying somehow. Okay. Somehow he will justify that.
2: Yeah. Maybe uh the maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they'll induct uh a mortal into the Hall of Fame. <laughs>
0: yeah. They're yeah, here.
2: Sure. <laughs> uh WWE has announced that uh, the Royal Rumble has now surpassed a $5 million gate for January 28th at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. So this will be the largest Rumble gate in the history of the event. Uh, last report from Russell Tix has over 30,000 tickets out for the show. So this has been a, a giant success uh, thus far for the company coming up in January. Um, Being the Elite returned on Monday, Way, Did you watch today's episode? I did watch it, yes. Well, there was a lot to take from this episode. And in particular, Matt and Nick Jackson, they spoke to uh, Brandon Cutler, who is who shooting this. And Matt stating that this has been two of the hardest months of their lives. They weren't able to talk about what went down. Both had a lot of anxiety about performing in advance of full gear. Uh, Matt even saying he was waking up in like cold sweats, uh, worried about, you know, two months of not wrestling and just being, being nervous. Uh, but said the Full Gear felt great. This was done the day after. Uh, this was done, I guess, Sunday morning, and said that Full Gear felt great and gave some backstory on the Kansas song that it's a song that they used to listen to with their dad and would come out in their backyard fed to and only got clearance for it, they said, at the 11th hour. So it was obviously a late uh, decision that they were going to get the, the clearance for it, but there is, I guess, some history, and I just picture... um Papa Buck rocking out with Young Matt and Nick to uh, Kansas. I think we need the Papa Buck version
0: of "Carry On," my boy, way, way, of, of uh, "Wayward Son." Absolutely.
2: Well, yeah. they're returning. Uh, they're returning to California next year, and there's always that that chance. Maybe a live, a live tribute to the to Kansas.
0: Oh, you know what? Them. Whatever karaoke they're doing, that yeah, it's it's going to be there. Um, so is it coming back for them? Is it staying with them?
2: So Tony Khan had stated at the press conference that it was likely they would use it again. And I guess we'll, we'll find out that answer on Wednesday. I, I would imagine Ooh. they're, they're coming out to it uh, again. I, I would think given that, you know, if they weren't, I think Tony Khan would have just said no. Mm -hmm. But the most noteworthy portion was their recap of the match with Death Triangle. And as they're making their entrance, we do not hear Kansas on this YouTube version. Instead, a song is plastered over this called Statement by Nefex. Are you familiar with Nefex? I'm not. I'm not, John. No. Well, I did get familiar with them this afternoon as I dug into this song, which was used over top the footage of the trio's championship match and first of all they isolate the fuck cm punk chants very clearly for everybody to hear that is watching being the elite and then this song plays which includes the lyrics i don't ever slow up no i don't take shit i got no love for the fakeness if you want to play tough and want to hate this i'll always show up and make a statement and the pettiness a reflection of the emptiness. Hilarious. You think you're worth my time. You're delirious, mysterious because you hide behind a fake exterior inferior. You know, I'll always be a bit superior. Get off of me. This ain't no humble brag. I want you to hear words. You can say them back. I want you to feel free from the chains at last and to believe in what you got. It was built to last.
0: Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Um. I, I I, I don't think they would have looked that deep into the lyrics of this replacement song that they used on, on a YouTube video, right? Just to avoid a copyright. These error. guys? These guys? Not looking too deep into things? I mean, I I don't
2: know. I mean, I was very surprised that they isolated the fuck CM Punk chants.
0: Well, it was a notable part of the entrance. Um, but, yeah, you mean from a legal legal perspective?
2: Uh, just being so blatant about it in in in, in this video. I mean th- these are still uh 3 EVPs as well. Um right.
0: Um mm.
2: and you know this this was very much their statement on the matter. I think um I think this spoke volumes uh, about their their feelings which are probably not surprising to people. I was just um this was their way of addressing the elephant in the room and I think you got that out of their system in this video. Perhaps so there you have it. That was being the elite. And then a final thing here and then I promise we'll get to the raw review. Uh quick notes from the 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 ratings from Friday. Uh SmackDown uh doing almost an identical number from last week, 2,232,000 viewers a 0.56 in 18 to 49. Number one on television uh, for the evening and second among all network programs in 18 to 34 behind a program on uh Telemundo, but um, this uh, both Smackdown and Rampage had big spikes in female viewership. It was it was interesting to see for the example of Smackdown, their female 18 to 49 audience was up 10 percent. And it was, you know, their highest in several weeks, Uh male their male audience with was either equal or down from the week prior. But overall, like, uh, again, it was uh, it was. You know standard Smackdown number which translates to a very good number when it's uh, number one on television but their um their female 18 to 49 number was their highest since the night of Vince McMahon's resignation so you're going back several months that a uh, female viewership in the key demo was that high and it was more pronounced on Rampage which did 445,000 viewers uh 16th on cable and a 0.14 in 18 to 49 so viewership was actually down from last week uh but the demo was up 22% it's still um You know, in the current area of Rampage, this is somewhat in in the middle of it all. I mean, not uh, a drastic variation from last week, but female viewership across the board uh, was up dramatically from last week. In women 18 to 49, it was up 76% from last week, their highest since Grand uh, Grand Slam in September and second highest In that demo since April Uh, for 18 to 34 women were up 80% from last week, but that was more so last week was really down and then women 35 to 49 was up 71% and this was not reflected in men men. It was either um, small decrease or small increase. There was not a whole lot of movement there. Um, So obviously, they have found that the key to their female viewership is Junakiyama. I think this has been what has been uncovered from Friday's numbers. But both both shows did like well with with women on Friday night. I and and granted, this is one night you can't really um, dig too deep into it unless it's a pattern of some sort. But that that was my takeaway from uh, Friday's numbers.
0: Was there any explanation through the competition?
2: I mean, there was uh, they were going against the NBA. I mean, that was uh, that was the top thing on on cable. Like it wasn't as though there was anything out of the blue that they were uh, going against. Rampage was third in its time slot behind the NBA game and on patrol live. So, um, yeah, it it wasn't like anything that that jumped out at me as to a reason why. Um, But something something worth worth noting, maybe uh, if it plummets. And Junakiyama's not back. Then I think that there's your answer right there to uh, to just uh, settle. And the countdown show that aired right after Rampage it did uh, 234 thousand viewers and a .06, 85th for the night on cable. And our final thing, I know you wanted to know about this. Way Young Rock one million three hundred sixty thousand viewers. So it fell in viewership, but they were up this week in the demo, up twenty two percent. And uh, beat two shows in 18-34, to 34, still last in viewership and 18-49 to 49 among the big four networks. So that's the latest on Young Rock. So good. I didn't see uh, Friday's show. So um, I don't know what we're up to at this point. They're going at a rapid pace through the Attitude Era right now. That's, that's what they're up to. All your news can be found at postwrestling.com. And we now shift focus to the MVP Arena in Albany, New York. Not often that you're in an arena named after one of your stars. Uh, yeah, you
0: you figure he would have had a bigger role on the show.
2: On main event, they had Elba Fire beating Tamina and Akira Tozawa over Grayson Waller. And it was noted and later seen on Raw, Akira Tozawa appears to have graduated out of the ninja outfit.
0: Yeah, he's got a blonde look now. Um, and you know, I'm very happy he's no longer a ninja. It's wonderful news. Uh, did you hear about uh, Monday Night Football tonight?
2: No, it was the 49ers against uh, the Arizona Cardinals, and George Kittle, who's on the 49ers, he's a big wrestling fan. Pentagon Junior is at the sidelines, and George Kittle goes up to him, and they put a mask on him, and Joe Buck is calling the game and acknowledging Pentagon Junior. And this I was on see that. this was on the ESPN game tonight. So That's some, incredible
0: press. Yeah, quite Pentagon. the weekend
2: for uh, Pentagon Junior. I was That's waiting right. for Joe Buck to weigh in on. Uh, who he thinks is going to take the match number two this Wednesday.
0: Maybe you could have given him a bell hammer to use in the game.
2: Oh, that would have been a great a great tie-in there. Hand that to George Kittle. You need the hammer. Uh, Raw, this is my takeaway, okay? The third hour was incredibly long for me. It was just two extremely long matches. Number two, I don't ever need to hear War Pigs by Black Sabbath again. I am ready All uh, five days out. I don't need to hear this song again. I think they played it 50 times on tonight's Raw.
0: I mean, they pay a lot of money for these songs, and I suppose they they like to get their money's worth. They are. They're getting it and then some. Kevin Owens starts the show
2: after his reveal on Friday as the fifth man for War Games, and he is coming for one man. And it's not Sami Zayn, who he considers a brother. He's coming for Roman Reigns because it's been two years since they fought. So he's taking out all of the Bloodline members. So the next time he comes for Reigns, no one will be there to help him. So he was invited to SmackDown Friday. So he has returned the favor and outcome the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre, which was interesting. They're coming from the crowd because they're the outsider's way, yet came out to their music. So they, um, they had some coordination here with the production
0: team. I don't know if it was just like sort of the baby face, baby face thing to do, you know, to, to have these guys show up through the crowd. Um, Maybe Kevin Owens just couldn't swing them a dressing room. But he, got never, he got him tickets. He got them comps. That's never happened in, necessarily in the past. You know, if you're invited, you're invited. So it's going to be Drew and Sheamus against the Usos on
2: Friday in the Advantage match. And then they all cut promos. The Judgment Day interrupt them. And Rhea uh, says that they run this show. Dominic takes the microphone. Yeah, show some respect for the judgment day and go back to SmackDown and tell my deadbeat dad I said hello. Balor calls them all clowns and it leads to Sheamus stating that he doesn't respect Finn Balor. Even though they only live 10 10 miles apart in Ireland, he thinks that Balor is a plastic patty. And then Balor, the gloves were off. He says, Sheamus, even Salt looks like sugar, and I'm one salty Irish bastard, which was a hell of a coincidence because Way got so mad over the weekend, he said this exact line to me.
0: Well, you called me a plastic patty, so you, you had it coming.
2: But then you threw a salt shaker at me and said it was sugar, and that was not kind. And Seamus issues a challenge for a six-man tag, and that is how Rock kicks off. The brawling brutes against Balor, Damian Priest, and Big Dom.
0: You know, for like an opening Raw TV match, I actually like this a lot. They're both factions that have been on the Ascent at kind of similar timelines on either brand. And um, I kind of liked it. It felt like a a bit of a special attraction. I also really enjoyed Owens' logic for being in the match here. He's drawing a direct line for a future match with Roman here. Um, And I I would say that he, at this point, feels like he's at a hot enough level as a babyface where... I can entertain that conversation, and you know, um, feel like he actually stands a a chance at well, not beating Roman, but at least like you know, creating a compelling program. Um, You've also also,
2: you've also reestablished that even through all they've been through, that mm -hmm. Owens considers Zayn a brother, and I feel that one of them should be on the verge of just being pummeled and maybe it's like owens is the one that reigns just we're going to take this guy out he is not going to be a threat and zane has sympathy for owens at the end like there's so much you can do with this ending but i think it should ultimately be one or the other coming to the other's aid or leaving it at least ambiguous of you know like zane's got his loyalties but he still regards owens the same way
0: Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, maybe, maybe they're calling upon Zayn to deliver sort of a death blow and he has hesitations. It establishes the possibility of a feature babyface turn and a reunion of sorts with Zayn and Owens. Uh, he still sees the good in him and he wants to turn him to the good side. We also kind of set up a Balor versus Sheamus match in the future as well. So the match uh, features Kevin Owens
2: on commentary, who does not like Kevin Patrick being referred to as KP. Because it's too close to KO, and he's going back to calling him Bert. So they had the advantage on Holland, and then when Dominic gets tagged in, this whole place boos him. And Owens says that he would never turn on... He said he would turn on his brother Zane, but never on his father, Terry. Terry Steen getting a shout-out here on Raw, like Dominic did to Ray. Um, Butch gets chokeslammed on the edge of the apron. They go to break. They come back. They have the heat on Butch for a while, and then Dominic is hiding behind Ripley on the floor as Holland goes after him. Eventually, Holland gets the tag. Seamus and Dom later are, t- are tagged in, and Dom is running away and he goes to the to the backstage, but gets stopped by the OC who come out. So he runs back in. Priest then assists Dominic, and Sheamus gets his throat snapped on the top rope. Sheamus delivers the twenty beats onto Dominic's chest, and then hits him with the bro kick. And it's Dominic taking the fall in 14 minutes and 17 seconds as they, uh, they heat up the baby faces going
0: into War Games. Somebody has to take the fall. And I think Dominic, you know, he's not necessarily uh, on the level of a Finn Balor who's about to have a match at the pay per view, nor a Damian Priest who's kind of the monster of the group. So I think it kind of makes sense. Uh, good opener. You know, it gives the mm-hmm. like, Brutes some good momentum heading into War Games. Uh, unfortunately, at the expense of the Judgment Day, but the main event was far more important here.
2: Uh, Balor and Priest then attacked and Luke Gallows got in a head kick on Priest and an Owen shows up from the commentators area and hits a stunner onto Finn Balor. And I mean, just the fact that he's in the match and certainly he can come in late, but it looks like his knee injury that he can he can work through it. And just the fact he did uh, at least a little bit of physicality here. He wasn't in a match, but um obviously he's um I'm sure he's he's working hurt, but can make his way through it. And the he fact that he could. Do a stunner, like it didn't look like he was having any issue
0: with that in the limited physicality we saw. Yeah, yeah. Somebody like Owens, I imagine, you know, it'll take a lot for him to um, not make a a match like this. Um, All the members of the babyface team had singles matches and Owens did not. So you would assume they're just, you know, being cautious and resting him. Um, But in, in War Games itself, you. You you know, we'll, we'll see how much he's actually capable of. Um, but I think for that's going story-
2: to be a long match. Like, even if he's in last, like that's I'm expecting that match to be 45 minutes or so. Like, it's, it's going to mm-hmm. be a lengthy one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Gargano is interviewed by Kathy Kelly. He's got a rematch with The Miz tonight, and he says that Dexter is not going to get involved tonight. And therefore, Gargano won't get involved next week when Loomis faces The Miz. And there was no Dexter Loomis on the show. But what was on the show was Johnny Gargano's new theme, a remixed version of Rebel Heart. And um, Twitter didn't enjoy this, this change way.
0: Yeah, it was like a male vocal version of of the same song. And uh, people loved the original. And anytime you make any sort of change, people are going to complain. I have a feeling this might have had something to do with CFOs. I don't exactly know what happened with that entire relationship, nor like what why he was able to use it. You know, uh, for, for the years, past, yeah, and for the past, you know, several months. Like you figured, the time to, to change it would have been for his first debut, but maybe it took that time to, to to record something like this. But I I can't imagine them changing it just because you know I don't know for for shits and giggles. I have to imagine there is some reason.
2: So the Miz comes out, and he was injured doing a TikTok video, and his hand is all taped up. I think he ran into swerve.
0: Uh, uh, maybe. Maybe. So he's got
2: a, re- an, a a replacement to face Gargano, and it's Omos. So Miz goes on commentary, and Gargano hits a suicide dive, and then Omos catches his Pescado, drops him on the apron. Miz yanks Gargano off the apron, and then Omos lifts him from the floor. Gargano... Uh, lands with a knee. Omos misses in the corner, and Omos goes down. So Gargano follows with super kicks, climbs up to the top, leaps, and is caught with a choke slam. And Omos pins Johnny Gargano in three oh six. And this was a,
0: not a great night for Johnny Gargano all around. It was not. Yeah i I actually thought that there was a chance that they were going to feed Omos to Gargano as a way for Gargano to rehab after losing to the miz which i thought was already embarrassing enough for somebody of you know gargano's supposed stature this was rehab for omos losing to Strowman. it it really was you know this this very much felt like the typical vince style of booking where the giant can never ever beat you know um sorry the 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 smaller man can never ever beat the giant uh, no matter how technically skilled he is um i thought gargano really needed something coming off the Miz loss and to see them do this to him makes me wonder like what Levesque is planning uh at the end of all this because i don't see him just discarding johnny gargano as like a you know mid-tier guy um but at the same time this t- style of booking was definitely confusing because now he's having to crawl out of an even deeper hole than he was in yeah he's uh He's someone
2: that has really spun off. Uh, I think that this Miz program was um, not beneficial for him, and he certainly feels closer to a Mustafa Ali level than yeah. um, you know wh- wh- where he was that first month when he came back and seemed like they they did have higher plans for him. And maybe maybe it's just the idea of you know they wait till Chompa's available to come back, or he's just he's not a featured guy at the moment.
0: They're they're, you know, seemingly building up to the Loomis victory over the Miz as sort of like maybe Gargano's big revenge, but that if Great. they if they do that, that certainly would not be enough for Gargano, you know, playing accessory to Dexter Loomis.
2: They announced Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, and Bobby Lashley for the US title has been added to Survivor Series. So as of now, coming out of Monday, we have five matches for the pay-per-view on Saturday, but two of those are War Games matches. So it's a satellite interview with Seth Rollins, who notes that he was mauled by Lashley two weeks ago, and then it was Fury attacking him at the end of the show last week, and Rollins asked for this match, and this one was weird. It seems that Rollins is in this in-between period where he's still working in, like, the Messiah character with uh this babyface turn that he's done. Like, he's
0: doing the cackle here, and... But all those things, I would say, are kind of adopted as part of his babyface persona now. Like, fans are cheering him, regardless of the cackle, if anything. Like, some fans will tell you that that they love the cackle. Uh, the, The thing that I think really stood out that might be a bit more ambiguous is him bringing up Cody's name. He did. He
2: called Theory the stupidest person on the face of the earth for jumping him last week and to call Cody Rhodes to see what happens when you pick a fight with him. It's going to be a war this Saturday. And, yeah, I... I found his in ring promos uh, during this time, like the audience is with him. This one to me, it just, it just, to me felt um, just kind of disjointed. It just felt like the two versions of Seth Rollins that um, I just didn't like this as like a, a babyface promo because I think he's holding on to certain
0: things that, um, well, to me, the, like he's been doing the cackle this entire time, you know, even as a full on baby face over the past couple of weeks. So I, I I don't think that seemed too out of place for me. Like the only thing that really kind of stood out was the Cody thing. And, and that tells me that Cody's return is imminent and that they're probably going to go back to a, a Cody versus Seth program, at least to start. Theory has his own promo
2: saying no one understands him. Hitting rock bottom was the best thing for him. He's not the same kid. He's a new man. And anyone that steps up will be sent home. And he warns Seth Rollins, Lashley and throws in Dolph Ziggler for good measure. I think Ziggler got the message. He's not going to step up.
0: To Why doesn't he get a U.S. title sorry?
2: Um, Because he's been forgotten. Okay. Yep. And he beat Ziggler. So he's, he's out of the running. He's, he's not in the rankings, but, who is in his crosshairs is Mustafa Ali. So they had a singles match. Um, Ali looked great in this match, but um, unfortunately uh, he, he's kind of in Johnny Gargano land. Uh, he had taped up ribs. So he was uh, selling the ribs throughout this match and theory uh, rolls into a super kick, uh, but then places Ali in the tree of woe. He's a, he's kicking at the ribs, but then Ali hits a sunset bomb and, um, And then I was, I just wrote down great selling of the ribs. And then with that, he climbs to the top and he hits a 450 splash that he, uh, ends up missing. And, uh, they said that would, that probably did more harm than good. I guess he was, he was going for broke here. And then theory, uh, uh, ends up hitting a town down and pins Ali in 545. Ali is just the punching bag on both shows, and that's mm-hmm. a unique um, distinction for Mustafa Ali. He is getting killed on both shows every week.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lost the ricochet on Friday. Um, of course, he was a substitute for Rey Mysterio. Um, their justification is that the beatdown from Bobby Lashley last week um, prevented him from losing that, from winning that match, and you know he came out taped, taped ribs here, and uh, so it likely, so it played a, a role here too. It's their way of, I guess, somewhat protecting the guy. But man, um, (laughs) tremendous protection. This guy has been untouchable. Yeah, this too was just like, I I, I don't know if he's on his way out or something, but like they're really making a point to tell you that, you know, Mustafa Ali right now is uh, just getting beaten down a lot. So, I mean, they could be doing all of this to kind of, you know, tell a further story with him having had enough and somehow, you know, uh, using it to transform. But
2: maybe maybe he'll quit.
0: And then he's brought. Oh, we already did that. He was already brought back. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't exactly know. This could be just, you know, his continued descent into obscurity, or they could be using it for fuel for a further story. But the story they were making sure that you knew about Mustafa Ali was that um, he's he's somebody who's going to get beaten up a lot.
2: Lashley comes out and tells Theory that you couldn't even get the job done when I left the scraps of Seth Rollins for you. And Theory is blaming Lashley for losing And says how Brock Lesnar kicked your ass, Lashley. And then Rollins beat you for that title. And then you lost again to Lesnar at Crown Jewel. Well, Theory is going to leave Survivor Series as a two-time champion. They get into it. And then Theory attacks him with a chair. Lashley no-sells it. So Theory runs away and is chased to the back. And as he runs backstage, he bumps into Ali and throws Ali at Lashley. So poor Ali gets the shit kicked out of him again by Lashley. This poor guy, and he ends up in the hurt lock. I mean, my God, I, I would have loved to have been the person who uh, Ali shows up at the arena. I's like, what, what do you guys have planned for me tonight? All right, sit down, Mustafa. <laughs> we're going to have you in this match. Where you're going to get beaten like a drum. But then you're going to go backstage, but don't go too far. Because then we're going to have Bobby Lashley annihilate you further. So they, yeah. there's nothing left of you by the end of this show. That's the plan.
0: Yeah, like after seeing something like this, I mean, if there's any sort of like reason for him to uh, get any a push coming off of this, I just I don't know what what they could possibly do. Because you
2: he, literally could have had a job guy in this role like just, just that's just hanging out backstage that they're saying is ready for the next match. And he gets thrown into the wolves like I know they have the Lashley Ali. I'm sure they're going to do that match again. But goddamn, this did nothing. For, Ali just seemed like, man. Um, I don't know. I guess that, that's kind of his role. That was like, the intended
0: he, effect. You know, he, like he so, was almost like just a, a punchline here. Uh, isn't it funny? He's just like There's Ali who just got beaten up two, like three matches in a row, essentially over the past two, two weeks. And uh, we're going to just toss it to Bobby Lashley to get beaten up again.
2: Chad Gable and Otis against Elias and Matt Riddle. And they're really trying to push Elias and Matt Riddle as like, man, this thing is really taking off. I don't know if it is.
0: Not to you and I uh at the very least. Do, do you think it's getting popular these two I, together? I, it's hard for me to gauge cuz like I I don't know if I necessarily felt that way about, you know, Gable and, and Riddle either. Um and, and you know, people are are kind of talking about them as if it was like a legendary tag team.
2: Orton and Riddle, you mean?
0: Or sorry, yes, yes, yeah. yes.
2: Alpha Academy take Riddle to their corner and Gable hit this nasty dragon screw onto, onto Riddle out of the corner. And then Gable hits a German to Riddle on the edge of the apron. They went through two commercial breaks here. Gable and Otis hit a Steinerizer on Riddle and then an Otis bomb misses and the hot tag is made to Elias. And he's in. He hits a neck breaker and a spine buster. Otis then lands an inverted DDT followed by the diving headbutt by Gable and gets broken up by a Broton. Floating bro is hit to both on the floor, and then Riddle lands on his feet from the American automatic and hits a floating bro after a suplex from Elias, and Riddle pins Gable in 1557. Uh, Riddle and Gable just continue to have terrific chemistry together. I just don't think that Riddle and Elias is a team that the audience is all that into, but... It, it was a finely worked match, and limited to Elias's hot tag here, and Riddle got to shine for most of it. But his stock has certainly deteriorated over these last two months. Like he has, he has come down a peg or two.
0: I would say the both of them, you know, Elias um, as, mm-hmm. as well, coming off of the Ezekiel run. Um, I, I get the sense like this is their way of trying to rebuild the both of them in a tag team setting. And... and
2: this has not enhanced Elias. This rebranding. This has taken nope. him back to what the whole problem was.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, 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 wasn't, I'm certainly not much of a fan of, of like what they, they've been trying to sell with the bongos and whatnot. Um, but in ring, I, I was actually impressed here the the match
2: was the match was good yeah
0: they're they're trying to maybe get over just through in-ring ability when and when you're talking about Elias it's not necessarily something you would imagine but Riddle is fantastic Gable is fantastic and Elias seems to be at least employing some of the fast faster paced babyface style that he was using as Ezekiel in this match and I, I I thought it was actually a very enjoyable match
2: JBL and Baron Corbin are at the poker table insulting Albany when Drew McIntyre walks in. So JBL makes a joke about Scotland not being in the World Cup. And a challenge is made to Corbin. And Drew says he respects his elders in reference to JBL, but not Baron. So he punches him in the face.
0: Yeah. Those are a fire way to set up a match. A poker game tends to break into a fight occasionally.
2: There was a feature on war games with promos from the babyface side. And that took us to Baron Corbin against Drew McIntyre for 17 minutes and 48 seconds to kick off hour number three. Um, I This was the 180 version of Will Ospreay and Shota Umino, where I looked down at my watch at the end of this and thought, the show's over. That was an hour. This, it, was, it, it this was, was so long. And long Corbin was working this like, this is my classic match. And, dude, this just never... Ended. Corbin uh, runs Drew into the post, and he takes over. And it is just on and on and on. He's hit with a Glasgow kiss, but then he takes him down with a lariat. Uh, Drew fights back, misses with the claymore. Then Corbin lifts him up for a big Samoan drop, uh, which elicits chance of you can't wrestle on the floor. Drew catches him with a belly to belly on the floor, and then JBL interrupts a claymore attempt. So Drew is caught with the deep six, and then Akira Tozawa appears on the desk, leaps into JBL's arms, and takes his cowboy hat and runs away. This is so distracting for Baron Corbin that he cannot turn to look at Drew. And when he finally does, he is hit with the Claymore. 17 minutes and 48 seconds. That is a number I should never say after Baron Corbin. This was so long. This this totally sucked my energy out of uh th- this, this show in the third hour. And the the, the rest of this show way was a... Uh, Let's just get to the finish.
0: I, I was watching like on delay, so uh, the commercials were kind of taken away from me. So th- thankfully, like I probably had a a view- better experience than you did. But watching in real time, I can certainly understand the your complaint. Um, but I think in ring, actually, these two have like good chemistry. You know, they they uh, delivered. I thought a pretty like hard hitting WWE style match here. Um, a lot of activity. I would also say that I think Baron Corbin has like demonstrated en- enough that I don't know if he's deserving of a "you can't wrestle" chant anymore. You know, um, I'm not noticing as much of like you know, sort of like the chinlock um, WWE style in in a lot of the matches that I think we used to see, especially with somebody like Corbin.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I to me. Like maybe maybe that's fair. I also don't think he is is at a level either. Where um, I, I just don't see him in, the, in this upper mix, and certainly not deserving of like eighteen minutes on, on television. To me, that's just way too long uh, for him. I I have always said I think this guy has a role on the show, but I think once you go too high with this guy, I think that's when the pushback occurs and whatever pr- improvements have been made, um, this audience didn't seem to detect it. And I, I just felt it was, it was way too long of a match for me. Um, so that was that Kelly is with the OC and styles notes how close he was with Finn Balor. But this, this is my family. These are my brothers. And this is my sister, his sister of two weeks way. Michin, and Michin is, uh, just standing here at her brother's side. And Balor walks in and warns, what happens when you dance with the devil? So they get into a big brawl with the Judgment Day, and they go outside, and someone's car gets uh, used as a weapon here. So this was our, our setup for AJ and Finn Balor. But that's these are his brothers and his sister, Way, Yeah, she's officially Meechan now. Couldn't she be uh, uh, Mia... Mia, Mia Stiles
0: or. um, Well, me, they're, me, they're, they're siblings by. By what? Know. By what? What's their, be- what's their history together? They never uh, crossed
2: paths in TNA.
0: I don't know, dude. Maybe there's, they, they have some secret oaths to join the club. And once you're in, you're in
2: alcohol that brought them all together. That's it. Bianca comes out with Oscar and Alexa bliss. And they note that uh, no Meechan, but Meechan will be ready for war games. And as much as they're pushing this name, there were still uh, references to Mia Yim on this show. But on the roster page, they are calling her Meechan. That's how she's identified. So I don't know if it's like a slow transition where they're going to slowly get rid of Mia Yim. But we still had both tonight as we did last week.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't blame the announcers for like forgetting that she's supposed to be called Meechan after like calling her Mia Yim probably for her entire career. Um so I imagine it's it's some sort of weird slow transition where maybe a month from now she's strictly Mechin. Um I I can only imagine a name change like this is for like branding purposes, you know. I guess so. Yes. Like uh, like owner like IP uh, ownership I mean. So they cut their
2: promos, Bliss is going to toss Nikki in the trash where she belongs. I hope she has more success throwing Nikki into the trash than Nikki did with the belt. And then they will decide on Friday who their fifth member will be. And you will not be disappointed.
0: Unfortunately, Albany was because they started to boo uh, when they realized they weren't going to get that announcement tonight.
2: So they're going to reveal it on Friday. And I would think that the, uh... well,
0: what what are you expecting? Wei? You know, there are actually quite a few candidates. Um, obviously, um, either uh, Naomi or Sasha, um, it could also be Beth Phoenix with Rhea Ripley on the other side. Charlotte is a possibility. Becky is a possibility. Yeah,
2: I I, I would say like this probably shuts down the uh, this. I would say the Sasha and Naomi expectation. I think if you're announcing it the night prior, I think it is you don't want that disappointment uh, on Saturday night of revealing a mystery person. So um, that
0: looks to be. Well, that, well, that, that would, So you're saying if they don't announce it... I would
2: think if if you had Sasha coming, I think that's the surprise on Saturday night. And I think if you go into Saturday with a surprise, that's Mm -hmm. what the audience is expecting. And no matter who comes out, it's a disappointment because it's not Sasha. Possibly. Damage control and Rhea Ripley come out and... This leads to uh, the match between the two. They they go back and forth here before the match begins, and this is for the advantage. So Ripley is on top with strikes, and she is yelling at the crowd. Attacks the kidneys of Oscar, and an Oscar. Asuka- gets on the the ankle lock, is going for the knee, but then gets lifted and slammed as Rhea breaks free. Asuka then pulls Ripley off the top, sliding knee is delivered, and she misses the hip attack, eats a kick from Ripley, and then damage control appears, just like out of nowhere. They're just all of a sudden ringside. We never see them come from the crowd or from the... They're just there out of nowhere. So they can teleport. The Riptide gets countered. She goes for the Asuka lock, and then Belair and Bliss come down to counteract damage control, and Asuka misses with the kick, and gets nailed with the riptide as Ripley wins in 16 minutes and 21 seconds. Um, this match was actually fine. It's just, to me, it was uh, following that last match, I just found this to be a very long third hour overall, and I, I think the audience felt that. They felt fatigued, so I thought this brought this down. Um, but but there was some good stuff here in this match between the two.
0: Yeah, I, I like these two a lot uh, in ring together. Um, I, I In particular, uh, like the... Um the transitions into their, their respective submissions, I, I was always really impressed by, but um, you could definitely tell the crowd was either a bit tired or they didn't care so much about um, this match nor the advantage of stipulation here. I do love the fact that like you had Rhea Ripley be given a clean win here with so many bodies ringside. I thought for sure we were going to get something with the, with interference, but um, they had Rhea beat oscar clean and oscar is somebody who i think is relatively well protected but ria during her time away from the women's division i mean she's kind of had like this mystic mystique built built around her and i think they did a good job of, of retaining that by showing that she's capable of beating somebody like oscar clean
2: is oscar done now
0: what do you mean i mean they didn't they she lost clean she
2: wasn't protected. I mean, I, I, I watch a show and I, I get the impression if this happens, I your, your career's over.
0: Um, no, I get the sense she'll be okay. I think she's exactly the same. Hmm. It's amazing. You can, you can do this. Yeah.
2: So the women get into a big brawl, including Meechin running down. And then Oscar hits a high cross to everyone on the floor. And that was obviously the big spot. We still had two minutes of this show left and they had nothing. They had no more physicality. They had no more interactions. So Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick had to just just crawl to the finish of this show together. So we run through the whole card. We reiterate the fact that the mystery member is coming on Friday. We also, I hope this is her new nickname that Kevin Patrick bestowed upon Shotzi, the ballsy badass. And then th- they still have time left. So we replay the whole like ending of like the highlights of the match and then the post-match. So for the first time I can ever remember, the closing image of Raw was on the replay. That's how the show ended. The replay screen was off, and that's how the show ended. So they just had to pad the shit out of these last two minutes. It was the longest two minutes, if you go back and watch this, because they just had to... It's like we don't even have a long paper. There's only five matches for us to plug on this pay per view. I mean, Excalibur would have been no problem. Just give mm-hmm. me a week's worth of matches.
0: I need more than two minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know, did did they miss something in the match? It was the match mistimed. Um, it looked know. like it ended early,
2: and this never happens in a WWE. I mean, the occasional time you've had some padding at the end, but I mean, not a not a huge thing, but. It it was notable if you were watching it live. There you have it. SmackDown uh, is Friday with the Advantage match and the mystery partner revealed. Um, and then Saturday is Survivor Series. So did this get you amped for Saturday way? It's uh, the intended purpose
0: of the show. Uh, did it get me am- amped for it? I mean, I, I, I would say I was already pretty hard amped. for it. You know, just because like it's it's war games, and I just I love the the match concept and and the visual of it. So honestly, that alone had me uh, amped enough. Um, all they really needed to do, I think, was establish a bit of story with the babyface team, and I thought they did a good job of that here with Kevin Owens and you know, the Brawling Brutes and, and 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 Drew, kind of like you know getting good presence all over the show. Um, on the women's side of things, it seems to be a whole. You know, match driven by who this mystery uh, fifth member is, um, and you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll be be good with with the amount of talent that's in there. The rest of the card, I mean, thankfully it's it's they're not looking to pad this thing out. Um, it's being kept pretty lean, and and I think for good reason. Uh, AJ versus Balor, I think is going to be sorry, AJ, yeah, AJ versus Balor is, is probably going to be hopefully pretty good. Uh, what else here? Shotzi Rhonda. I'm maybe not expecting a whole lot here. By the way, um, people are saying Ballsy Badass was her uh, nickname on the independent. So she, uh, you you can't blame WWE for that one.
2: Uh, it it is. It, so it's a it's a bad nickname across the board.
0: Yeah. Um, and then we've got uh, what was what's the other match here? Uh, the the three way with uh, Rollins, right. the US type. Lashley. In theory, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, I I can kind of take it or leave it, but it, it that that's that's. We'll we'll see who um, we'll see who comes out of that one like with with sort of a changed character.
2: So if, if the fifth person turns out to be Becky Lynch, do you think that that will be, th- that that's big enough that you do, you don't have a Sasha that that's a big return and yeah. that will be received as such? I I think like I think if so. that's that's the reveal on Friday and you're doing it the night before, mm-hmm. I'd be a little nervous of doing that in Boston on the mm-hmm. Saturday night if you did the mystery gimmick. Um, right. Becky maybe could overcome that anyway because it's a return. But I would say it would it would I I would still not want to risk the we want Sasha chance that a lot of that audience would be hoping for even um, even if it's like you're just you're dangling that by doing the mystery thing. So I think having the Friday reveal is and it'll probably do a decent number teasing a surprise like those Mm -hmm. tend to, you know, hook people. All right, that was a uh, Friday or that was Monday's edition of RAW. Uh, we will now go to super chats and some feedback before we
0: call it a night. Let's first of all uh, go to our super chats, starting with here, Heriberto Perez, who sends five dollars. Thank you so much for the support, Heriberto. He says, "Thanks for the great content, guys. What is y'all's interest level in Wrestling Kingdom as opposed to the last one?" Well, we only have three matches, and it is already. I mean, listen, the, the,
2: there were some very good matches on this past, this last year's uh, show. I, I really like the move back to one night this year. I think that is the unfortunate part is there is going to be a lot less time for some matches and there are going to be some, like an Ishii is probably going to be buried in some match instead of getting a big prominent spot. There or is, Rambo. yeah, there are compromises to having one night instead of two, but. I think on the whole, given where New Japan's business is, I think this is a, this is a positive move. And based on these three matches, um, pr- pretty high at this point, two months out or le- less, less than that now.
0: Yeah, honestly, for me, it's it's more so just about the two matches that were announced over the past weekend. You know, they both feel like uh, at least uh, in terms of name value, special attraction additions to a wrestling kingdom that we're not used to seeing. Um, do you You'll want, probably
2: wait? also have a lot of Anoki stuff on this show that they're dedicating the show to. Like, I hmm. I hope throughout the show there's classic clips uh, between the matches. Like, uh, like Anoki is going to be the theme of the the entire event, so that that could be very cool too.
0: Uh, also on the on the on the card is Zack Saber Junior. versus Ren Narita for the oh uh, yeah title. that's right
2: that's right we have the and th- and the, the four way yeah I was uh, Zack Saber Junior. and Ren Narita is going to be excellent the four way mm-hmm. is I can't see that disappointing like th- this is a really strong card already with th- just
0: the five matches is it still a fifteen minute time limit for the TV title yes. Okay, so I mean, unfortunately, I, that's a match where I feel like I, I, I would love it if it, if it was a bit longer than that, but 15 minutes will achieve plenty uh, between those two. So I'm looking forward to that as well. That feels fresh. Um, we'll see what else they announce.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You'll you'll have the you know the winners of the the tag leagues that are just started today as well.
0: Any other AEW contribution? You feel?
2: I think everyone expects FTR to defend the tag titles on that show, right? Right. Whether it's Aussie Open or I would say Aussie Open and Naito Sonata would be your favorites in the tag league, um, if that's your Naito position on the card.
0: And, and what's the status of a uh, audience clapping for this show? Um, I th- I think you still have the
2: the restrictions. I right. think because it's like, still like,
0: 50 percent um limit, right? For people for clapping. Yeah, I,
2: don't, I don't know the specifics on, uh, the, like, the Tokyo Dome of uh, right. what, what, what exactly the, uh, the, the, the number is. But, okay. um, yeah, because that seemed to be the discussion of, like, a lot of people going to the Tokyo Dome is still having
0: that, that limitation. Hmm. Uh, we have one more super chat from Hansi who says, how do you guys feel about overdrive post main event angle? Um, I, I haven't seen
2: Overdrive yet. Um yeah, I did catch up on quite a lot on on Sunday night, but I did not see that. But for those that that missed it, uh, Josh Alexander retained the Impact title against Frankie Kazarian. It sounded like it was a terrific match. And then Bully Ray uh, cashed in his Call Your Shot gauntlet. And that's going to be the Hard to Kill main event, which is their next pay-per-view in January. That They've they been doing this story ever since Bound for Glory of Bully Ray coming in, winning the Call Your Shot, and everyone warning Josh Alexander that... You can't trust Bully Ray and Bully is coming in trying to redeem his reputation that he's going to be a, a stand-up guy and do this face to face and everyone's warning him that he's going to screw you and Bully stating that he's he's not that he'll do it to his face. So that's how they they set it up with him calling his shot but in January. So Josh Alexander has plenty of time to prepare for Bully Ray. Hm. Cool.
0: All right, let's go to forum.postwrestling.com for the rest of your feedback from our Post Wrestling Cafe patrons. John, uh, would you like to start off?
2: Okay, Benjamin writes, my favorite part of the show was Finn Balor upselling Dominic Mysterio's deadbeat dad line. That Baron Corbin-Drew McIntyre match was awful. Aside from them ripping off Don Callis' wrestling god line about Kenny Omega, the JBL and Corbin pairing isn't really doing much for me. Rhea and Oscar were pretty stiff with each other. The promo before the match wasn't my favorite. Graves even called Bliss out for being disinterested, which after three plus months of this, I can't blame her. Raquel Gonzalez, Liv Morgan, the fifth woman for the War Games match, it isn't, isn't exactly a surprise. More paint by numbers.
0: I'd like to ask Benjamin who he thinks it is. Well, I think today everyone I don't is, think it'll be Raquel or Liv. No,
2: uh, he might be sarcastic, but there.
0: Uh what, what okay. I, don't I don't know. All right. I mean, also Wrestling God is a JBL thing. Yeah, and has been, you know, since his title run. Uh, okay. Well, Click actually was was just about to say that. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then this is just a conversation about JBL. So that was the only piece of feedback we had today. Thank you. Oh, wonderful.
2: Okay. Well... That concludes tonight's Rewind to Raw. A reminder, Tuesday, postwrestlingcafe.com, we will be dropping the new Rewind Away covering NWA TNA, December 11th, 2002. You can leave feedback up on the forum. Uh, that will be dropping uh, tomorrow night. Jeff Jarrett versus Kurt Hennig, BG James versus Ron Killings, uh, Amazing Red against AJ Styles. I mean, what a, what a collection. This is the, the infancy way of Sports Entertainment Extreme Sex, as concocted <laughs> by Vince Russo. And boy, do we have some news items for everybody. We're going to talk about uh, the WWA pay-per-view featuring Sting and Lux Luger. We're going to talk about uh, a writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution getting to sit in on the WWE writing team and uh, and chat with Vince McMahon. And we'll talk about Paul Heyman appearing on TSN's Off the Record. So that's all going to be on Rewind Away on, on Tuesday night.
0: The event is available on Impact Plus. So uh, I believe. Is, do, do they you, have do like you,
2: a- you have to do. Search for it on Google, okay? Because inside Impact Plus, this was a very... I could not find this show in Impact Plus. I literally had to Google it for the direct link and then get it. But once you see that image of AJ Styles looking very 2002 with Mortimer Plumtree, then you've come to the right place. That is the image you want to get.
0: All right. Excellent.
2: I wonder what his sister thought of this look in 2002. (laughs) Michin, you mean? <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know.
2: All right. That's it for us, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to everyone that uh, joined us over the weekend, and we will speak with you on Tuesday night.